Restlessness is discontent, and discontent is the first necessity of progress. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man, and I will show you a failure. Thomas A. Edison Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. You know, of course, already, and if you don't, I'm fixing to tell you that the website is at leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. This is a special episode for Monday, October the 16th, 2023. Let's talk about Driven by Discontentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. It certainly is true. I believe it. Well, because I believe the Bible. The discontentment I'm talking about really isn't the discontentment that is spoken of there. The discontentment, for instance, that fosters envy and jealousy and covetousness. You know, I, I see them and look at them. Look at, look at the life they're living. Man, I... I wish I had their house. I wish I had their job. I wish I had their car. No, that's that's a bad, bad kind of discontentment. I wrote this phrase, driven by discontentment, at least two years ago. I'm not really sure when, but based on the notes around it, yeah, kind of sort of guessing a couple, two, two and a half years ago, give or take. And I know what I was thinking when I wrote it, even though I don't vividly remember when. I was thinking about those those things that drive me to want to improve, but mostly about the things that I want to improve in myself. I was not necessarily thinking about possessions. I was not necessarily thinking about circumstances of life, although that plays into it because, well, if the circumstances of our life are at all determined, and they certainly are to some degree, determined by our behavior, by our actions, by our decisions, then it stands to reason you want to improve your circumstances? Okay, well then improve your behavior, improve your actions, improve your decision making. I mean, it can't hurt. Let's talk about it. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for clicking play of all the countless play buttons that are on the internet. I got to thinking the other day of how many times in the course of a day do you reckon you click play? Whether it's on a song or a video or a podcast, I have no idea. I need to track that. There are so many things that you can track on your phone. Now, I don't know about you Android users. I'm an iPhone user, but I would suspect it's no different. Of all the stats and all the, all the, I mean, all the data that your phone is tracking. I don't know that I knew this until recently, and I'm not sure when I learned it. It's been this year that, 
the number of times that you unlock your phone. And maybe you knew this. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only idiot here that didn't know it. The, you can count. You can go into your phone. You can check how many times in a day you are unlocking your phone. I don't know. This is how my mind works. Like a hamster on a wheel. Driven by discontentment. And let me narrow the focus to driven by our own discontentment in ourselves. Yes, Virginia, this is about self-improvement. It's always about self-improvement. I know there are many other people that you would love to improve. And so would I. But it's impossible. The people that are close to you, the people that you have influence over, you can certainly help them. You can influence them. You can encourage them to be driven by their own discontentment. But largely, this is a, this is a, it's not a selfish endeavor. I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's a self-centered endeavor because is it self-centered? And it certainly, I don't think in any way could be misconstrued as selfish for you to get better, for you to grow, for you to improve, for you to fix what ails you, for you to figure some things out that maybe you hadn't figured out before, for you to improve your knowledge, your skills, your understanding, your compassion, your resilience, your grit, your determination. I mean, is is that a selfish thing? No. Think of all the people that are impacted by you. Think of all the influence that you willed, knowingly or not, willingly or not, for you to become a better person, a better human, and make better decisions and live a better life. Is that a selfish endeavor? No. How could it be? There's no way. No way. So, yeah, let, let, let's kind of focus it and look at it in through that lens of, It's a self-focused endeavor because you are doing work on yourself. You are doing this. Yes, you're doing this for yourself, but you're also, you're you're doing it for the rest of us too. I mean, as I hit the record button today, we got this, well, we've got way more than a brouhaha going. We've, We've got these atrocities that Hamas has committed. We've got, you know, more of the Israeli... Palestinian conflict, we've still got Ukraine happening. There's war, there's conflict. There are many people that have been predicting for a couple of years now a potential civil war here in America. The the tension, the divisiveness, the uh, pick your word, you know, the angst, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's universal. It's global. And there is this restlessness that, well, it's way deeper than a restlessness. But now if we were to focus that on on us and on trying to cure what ails us and to fix, to shore up our weaknesses, to lean more heavily into our strengths, to be the best people that we can be, the best humans that we can be, to make the very best decisions that we can make, everybody wins. Nobody loses. What we do lose, ironically enough, is we lose pride and selfishness. We lose self-centeredness. This seems like a contradiction, I know. 
for us to focus on ourselves to the extent that we put in the work to become better ends up curing us of self-centeredness and pride. Because I certainly believe, and the scriptures certainly bear this out, experience bears this out. I mean, live long enough and you'll figure this out if you haven't already. The things that you do that are not good for you, whether that's a vice or whether it's just a bad habit, those things are colossally selfish. Those things stem from pride. And that pride could be manifested in any number of ways, chief of which is probably we just want what we want. I want what I want. I want it now. It It is at the root of most everything. This me, 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 I, I, I. And from it stems most all of our bad decisions and bad behavior. You may have seen it. It's it's not all that novel, and it certainly is not all that new. Nor is it entirely correct, but it does make a point. We can take the easy path and end up with a hard life, or we can take the hard path and end up with an easier life. Not entirely true, but kind of sort of. Doing the thing that's hard pays dividends. Those dividends do give us, quote unquote, an easier path. We can give in to our vices. We can give in to our lust. We can give in to our passions. We can give in to our thought. We can just be unbridled and do at any given moment. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what impact it has on anybody else. This is my life. I'm going to do with it as I want. We could take that. That's easy. It is filled with so many negative consequences, though, that it makes life really, really difficult, not just for us, but for other people that are in our sphere of influence. So driven by discontentment, let's think for a moment of how driven by discontentment are you when it comes to your life, the things that you know you need to fix. You just haven't put in the work yet. You have just not yet made up your mind. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to put in this work. Now, we could pick on all kinds of things. I don't have any particular thing uh, in mind. I just know that for us to resist the temptation to do whatever it is we may want to do in the moment can be ridiculously hard but ridiculously worth it. And in my own life, just true confession here, those times that I'm not driven by discontentment to become a better person, a better human, I just give in and I do what I want to do. I do what I want to do. Whether it's just a bad habit of putting something off, that, okay, right now, right here, I've got some time. I could get this done. I could get this off my plate. But I just, yeah, I really don't want to do it. And maybe in that moment, it's not that I want to do something else. I just don't want to do that. We've, we've all, we're all guilty of this to some degree. There may be other times that I'm absolutely guilty of poor behavior 
making a bad decision and doing something just because in the moment I want to, I want to, and everything else just kind of gets, gets blinded. I, you just get blinded by everything else and you just, you just dive wholeheartedly, whether it's a moment or whether it's a long period of time, your own selfishness, your own pride, your own, you just want what you want. And there's no restraint. There's no self-control and there's no temperance. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that, and you, you wouldn't think that you'd have to live long to be convinced of this, but we're hard headed creatures because we're largely stubborn. <laughs> we largely are self-willed. There's the problem. It's why the Lord said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself. There's your daily cross. Deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself. Driven by the discontentment because there are times that I don't deny myself. And I would be a better human. We would all be better humans. We would all make better decisions. We would all make wiser decisions if we could just, in that moment, whatever that moment is, deny ourselves. Not do. Resist doing the very thing that you most want to do. Now, we're talking in context of the thing that we most want to do being something that's not good for us. It's not good for others. It destroys our character. It erodes us. It, it could be a, it could erode us morally, that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about in this moment, I'm, I'm going to be driven to do something really magnificently great and wonderful and valuable and worthwhile. If you're, Hopefully you have those moments, lean into those, but I'm talking about those weaker moments, those weaker moments where we could, we could, we can choose right. We can choose wrong. And it's like, yeah, give me wrong right now. I want wrong. <laughs> I do agree with Mr. Edison when he wrote, you know, restlessness is discontent and discontent is the first necessity of progress. If I am totally satisfied with who I am and where I'm at and the way I'm living my life and all the decisions I make and all the behaviors that I engage in, how am I going to grow? I, I mean, I'm as good as it gets. Uh, there ain't no getting any better. I mean, if you know, if you're waiting on me, you're backing up. So we've got to have a, I think we have to have a high level of discontentment, high enough that we're compelled to change high enough that we're compelled to improve high enough that we're compelled to make progress, not so high as to berate ourselves, not so high as to not having the capacity to forgive ourselves, not so high that we just believe that we're worthless and we're just pitiful and, you know, self-loathing. This is not self-loathing. This is self-awareness. This is self-awareness that in the past 24 hours, I did this and I did that. And I really, I'm better than that. I could, I could have done that better. I need to figure this out. I need to, today I need to do that better. I don't need to repeat what I did yesterday that wasn't so great. This does not mean that we cannot take acts. We cannot take inventory of, you know, I did this and I did this and uh, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit for that. I, I, that I did that. I did that pretty well. It's not to say that we don't have that internal conversation. There certainly need to be behaviors. I would hope behaviors and decisions that you've made in the last twenty four hours 
for which you're pretty proud. Now, I don't think you ought to go around and ballyhoo it. I don't. I definitely don't think you ought to publicly, you know, break your elbow by patting yourself on the back about it. But this internal dialogue, I think it's important. It's important for us to affirm, I got that right. But I think it's equally important for us to affirm, but I, man, I so blew that. I didn't get that right at all. I, I, and for us to investigate that, for us to think about that, however deeply we can or, or need to or want to, so that we can figure out, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to not repeat that. It's what the Bible calls repentance. In essence, it's making up one's mind that I'm going to stop doing this thing in order for me to start doing this other thing. There are many things that you don't want to repent of. You don't want to repent of being honest, always telling the truth. We don't want to repent from high-quality, high-character, high-integrity behaviors. Why would you want to repent of that? Because if you repent of that, then it means you're going to become just the opposite of that. So the kid grows up in the streets and nice, innocent kid. One day loses his innocence. Gangs come in, recruit this kid. Next thing you know, the kid's running drugs for gangs and engaged in all kinds of violent behavior. Okay, well... Now you've got a young man, in the case of this illustration, who repents of, of being a good kid and now is being a bad kid. You don't want to make that kind of repentance. You want to make a repentance that goes in the opposite direction. You want to go from bad to good, not from good to bad. But from good to bad is easier. It's, just, it's always easier because it's always easier to just give in to what you want. Or to give in, in this case, perhaps to the pressure of the culture or money or any number of things. Fear. Yeah, there's no question. All that's easier. But the restlessness of your discontentment with yourself, can you, can you put any language to that at all? And if you did, what, how would you describe it? Might be an interesting exercise to open up a Word document, start writing. How would you describe your restlessness as a discontentment with those things that you deep, deep down know you need to improve? If not altogether, just put them away. I, I'm thinking about various people over the course of, of time that I've had conversations with who suffered all kinds of addictions, everything from drugs to pornography to you name it. And the discontentment, the restlessness of feeling held hostage by your own desires, your own lust. And it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be those extremes, but we all suffer it. We all suffer an addiction to, again, perhaps in just a moment of wanting what we want and then giving into that. The scriptures say the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are the three areas and every sin that besets us, every bad behavior, every bad decision is going to fall in one or more of these categories. 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I mean, mark it down. God created us. He knows. And we're all in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, we're going to fall prey to those things because we are imperfect. The question is, well, the question for me with my life is, are any of these things behavior, are these, are these more regular behaviors? And the answer could certainly be yes. I mean, there, there are some, and don't just think things that you do, think, think things that you don't do, that you should do. Think of the good things that you could be doing, but you don't do those. Not just focusing on, well, I did this, but think of the neglect. And if you're not driven by discontentment, well, that'll certainly drive you there. There's, there's so many things that we ought to be doing that we don't do. And they could be, for me, they're going to be aimed at God, and then they're going to be aimed at my wife, and then they're going to be aimed at my family, and then they're going to be aimed at others. Am, am, I, am I getting it all right? No. The answer is no. The answer is not only no, the answer is a colossal no. No, I'm not getting all of that right. Now, here's the interesting thing for me as a Christian. If I could get the first one right, God, I don't have to worry about the others. Because <laughs> that's going to compel me to make sure that the others are where they need to be. So I really only need to focus on the one. But you, if you've listened to me at all, you expected to hear that. Have I told you that this is costing me listeners? <laughs> not not some big, huge number, because it's not like I have some big, huge number anyway. I mean, thankfully, over the course of doing this for two decades, you know, there's a few thousand of you that are out there listening to me, and I'm super appreciative. I did take a little bit of a hit when I began to talk more and more about God and the Bible and that sort of thing, which I find pretty fascinating, frankly. I don't care. I'm not apologizing for it, and I'm not. I'm not sad about it. it. There, there was nothing strategic, by the way, necessarily with me doing it. Nor was there anything strategic about me not doing it. And it certainly wasn't born of well, hey, how, I wonder how this will work with creating the podcast and the content. I, I never gave it a thought. I never gave it a thought. And quite frankly, I think most people, even people that are as we would say, unbelievers, uh, people that are skeptics even. The pursuit of wisdom, at least in most of the, and I'm talking about face-to-face -face conversations. I'm not talking about virtual online. I'm talking about face-to-face -face with people that clearly don't share my faith. And it's not problematic for me. And it's not problematic for them. They're just looking for some answers, and whether they are disciples of Stoicism or anything else, they're just kind of looking anywhere they can look for some things that they deem as pursuits of wisdom, and I'm certainly in the wheelhouse of that, and whether I'm coming at it from a perspective that they can totally relate to or understand or even agree with just doesn't seem problematic, but... 
for some, it may be, and that's okay. I'm not offended in any way, shape or form. I will, I will go ahead and pitch. I've got a YouTube playlist in thy paths.com. I do keep telling you, if you want to hear a better preacher, um, I've got a friend named Kevin Presley lives in the deep South and you can, you can listen to somebody and watch somebody that's way better than me. Let the Bible speak dot TV. So if you do have Bible based interest, then well, I just owe it to you. I owe it to you to share that with you. Where was I? Show me a thoroughly satisfied man, wrote Edison, and I will show you a failure. And I share that sentiment. Now, you may not, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is absolute, because we've got to define terms here. I mean, we started off with the discontentment term, and now we've got the satisfied term. Show me a thoroughly, well, he qualified it with even a bigger word, thoroughly, a thoroughly satisfied man. I believe in contentment. I believe the scripture godliness, and that's important, not just contentment, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just contentment, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But to be 100% completely content seems to imply zero ambition. And zero ambition really equals nothing but apathy. So we know that ain't it. But show me a thoroughly satisfied man, writes Edison, and I will show you a failure. That person who they want no more than what they have. They don't, they don't want to earn more money. They don't want to accomplish more. They don't want to be a stronger influence for good. They just don't want anything more. Not one iota of anything more. Thoroughly, completely, I'm good. I'm satisfied. I, I, I think he's right. Uh, I think by any measure, a person prone to that would be a failure. There's no way a person like that is living their best life. How could you? How can you live your best life if you're sitting there wallowing in self-pity and apathy and you're just, I'm satisfied. Somebody was relating a story to me not long ago about somebody that was really, really, really just wallowing in their, in their whole victim mindset. This was an employee of a person that I work with, uh, a client and the person just on and on and on and on. And they just, every time that we have a meeting, they're telling me more stories of this person who is just absolutely just fraught with everything in their life is just caused by somebody or something else. They just, you know, I commonly will tell clients just, what if you were to just own everything? What if you just owned it all? And here was a person that not, they don't want to own it all. They don't want to own any of it. And you're like, you know, most people, they would like to think that they've got some semblance of control over their life. But this, this is a person that's been described to me as a person who just, no, they just, the most mundane, routine, 
kinds of things that they're like, hey, you did this and we need to talk about. And immediately they go on the defensive and immediately they start rattling off the names of three or four coworkers and stuff they've been told. And even things that aren't that big of a thing, it's just, you know, it's just a, a boss, a leader wanting to try to coach a person and help them just shore something up. And I mean, they just, it's like, they want no part of it. And so the question was, you know, what do you do with that? <laughs> you want to take a guess what I told them? No, don't. I, I'm I, I'm not in the business of telling people what to do. I am in the business of helping people investigate what what their options are. And, of course, you know, one of the options is you can keep on doing it. You can keep on trying. But how are we going to change the way this person views themselves and view the world and the fact that they are not driven by their own discontentment they are rather driven to excuse anything and everything because of all the things that have happened to them that they don't think they have one ounce of control over. When those of us who are seeing things more clearly, we know, well, they, this person's got a tremendous amount of control over an awful lot of this stuff. But until they know that, where, what are you going to do with it? So, you know, the boss can decide, you know, I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this my life's work. My life's work is going to be to try to convert this one human being to understand that they've got it wrong. <laughs> and you'll sacrifice all these other people on your team, but you could, you can do that if you want to do that. Now on the flip side, let's start thinking about ourselves and let's start thinking about the, our own things that we need to shore up and our own willingness and our ability, and we've all got the ability. What's not in question is willingness. Because, well, I don't know how willing we are. Sometimes I'm very willing, and other times I'm not willing at all. Sometimes I'm colossally selfish, and other times I'm I'm so far in the background, you know, I, I couldn't find myself if I wanted to. And I mean that in all the best ways, that, you know, it's about somebody else. It's not about me. I talk a lot about that, not because I've mastered it, but because I want to. I have talked since, well, since I was about 27, I have talked about five fundamental principles of leadership, and I've put them in an order of humility, curiosity, knowledge, understanding, and compassion, with compassion being defined quite similarly to leadership, a focus on others. Leadership is a focus on others, its influence, and it's doing for others what they can't do for themselves. Now, you roll all that up into one big ball, and this focus on others that I talk about, I talk about it ad nauseum, and I have since I was 27 years old, because it's the work I need to do. It is paramount in the work I need to do. I've gotten remarkably better at it. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't mean that I would not give myself master status. Not just yet. I'm working at it because like you, I have moments. And the problem with the moments is 
the moments, and I'm talking about the moments of bad behavior, the moments of a bad decision, the moments of surrendering to a temptation that you shouldn't because you just don't. You just, you don't resist it. You don't exercise self-control. You don't exercise temperance. You just give in. You take the easy way out. And even though it can happen for a moment, I don't know about you, but think about the erosion, the erosion of your character. Think about the erosion of even how you feel about yourself. Think about the erosion of your worldview of how you view yourself in life. And it ain't good. It ain't good. There's a high, high price that we all pay for our lack of self-control. There just is. And I can, man, I, I can, yeah, I can in my, in my insomniac evenings, my insomniac driven evenings, I can think about that toll, that price that's being paid, not by others, which is certainly there, I'm sure, but with me just not doing what I ought to do with me doing things that I shouldn't do and with me neglecting to do some things that I just absolutely know I need to be busier doing. And then you think of all the countless hours that we spend just doing these idiotic, stupid things. And we do. We all do. The time that we waste. Now, I'm not one of these that, okay, we've got this many hours in a day and this many hours in a week and we need... None of us... Even the, even the people that preach and espouse and write books about and give speeches about being efficient, being productive. I got news for you. If we could follow them around, if we could be the fly on the wall, the proverbial fly on the wall, they may be markedly better than me. They may be markedly better than you. They're still not all that. And then some, they're just not because we're all human. And we've got these moments where we think, you know, I just, I, right now, I need this. Right now, I need to just plop down and sit here in front of the TV and do nothing. Uh, I'm a big believer in pondering time. I've jokingly said for a long, long time. In fact, it's on my it's on my business card right now. Just a man in search of an epiphany. <laughs> and while it was comical, kind of, sort of, when I first wrote it, it's completely true. I am just a man in search of an epiphany. Here's what I have found about epiphanies. Yes, epiphanies require work and diligence and grit and determination and hard work and all the rest of that. But epiphanies also demand a certain degree of stepping away and a certain degree of pondering time. I'm not saying laziness and I'm not saying procrastination, although we are all guilty of both. But I'm saying that we need some times to we need some time to just think. No human being, I don't believe. Well, qualification. I have not yet met or heard of or seen a human being who doesn't need some time to ponder, think about, process, study about, dwell on some things, reflect on some things, because our, our learning isn't all just happening in real time, like bam, 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 like right here, right now, while I'm speaking to you, okay, I'm just... I didn't hit record until I had given this little three-word phrase that I wrote down in a notebook, driven by discontentment, 
two, two and a half years ago. Have I thought about it nonstop for two and a half years? Of course not. I've just thought about it occasionally, but I have thought about it. I didn't just write that down. Okay, let's immediately go to record. In fact, I'll tell you, none of these episodes come out that way. None of them. I mean, they they all take some time to percolate. The problem is I, we're living in a world that doesn't, well, we we really don't prize percolation time. I get it. I get it. It's a frenetic pace. I understand that. I think there's a restlessness, a restlessness we need to embrace, and there's also a restlessness that we need to we need to avoid. We need to avoid the restlessness of on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Because here's what I have found in my own life: when I neglect, when I when I decide that I'm I'm not going to autopsy the mistake that I made yesterday. I'm not going to autopsy that mistake that I made an hour ago. I'm just going to, I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to stay busy. I'm going to stay busy, stay busy, stay busy. We're going to find ourselves just continuing to repeat. We're not going to find ourselves growing because we're not going to live with the discontentment long enough. We're just, we're, we're just staying, we're staying one step ahead of the man who's trying to collect. <laughs> And that's the bad version of ourself. I, I read a book a long time. Bill Sands was the guy's name. I read this a hundred years ago when I was in junior high, I think. My shadow ran fast. Basically the story of a really, really troubled kid trying to outrun his shadow. And sometimes those of us, especially guys my age, I, I find myself saying it quite a bit. And yes, yeah, sometimes... Sometimes I have to explain these things to younger folks, you know, trying to outrun your shadow. Like, what? <laughs> well, you know, you're trying to outrun your past. And we've all got baggage. We've all got some past. Now, everybody wants to embrace this new word, trauma. Well, number one, it's not a new word. And number two, everything bad that happens to you is not trauma. I was thinking about this when my dad turned a hundred a couple of weeks ago at the end of September. And I've always been kind of fascinated with war, not in a good way, but just in the toll that it takes. And in watching some documentaries and things about world war two, which was the era that my dad came of age in. Um, yeah, these people who were at Normandy, these people who, these people who, you heard my phone ding. That's the second time in all these years of podcasting, like a moron, I'm sitting here with my phone and I didn't have it. I didn't have it silenced. Uh, what can I say? See, there it is. Driven by discontentment. Why, why is my, why is my phone going off in the middle of a podcast? Well, because I, I made a stupid decision. I didn't check it. I made a foolish decision. So what am I going to do about this? Am I going to be, well, too bad. No, I'm not content with that. I'm discontented with that. So I need to fix that. I need to, I don't know. Maybe I need to go back to a checklist. <laughs> New podcasters sometimes do checklists. Man, I haven't done a checklist on podcasting. and Well, maybe I never did one. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm not very good at it. 
Check your phone, dude. Check your phone. Check your phone. Check your phone. Make sure the ringer's turned off. Make sure the notifications are turned off before you hit record and open up a microphone. Operator, would you trace this call and tell me where I am? Because I completely forgot. Restlessness is discontent, and discontent is the first necessity of progress. Wrote Edison. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. And I believe that we would go a long, long way in our own journey towards self-awareness and self-improvement by coming to grips with these things and by figuring these things out. I hope you're not discontent that you clicked play. You may be, and if you are, okay, I get it. But I hope not. This is a journey, it's a quest, and we're all in it together. Yes, there are some people among us who have mastered certain things, but I can promise you this. Every person who has mastered one thing has completely botched mastering something else, probably a whole lot of something other things. And then there are people like me, and we've not mastered very much at all. We're, <laughs> I don't know what all the belt colors are. I should learn this. I have a question for those of you that are in martial arts. Are belt colors in one level or one practice of martial arts, are the colors the same? Is it is it like this universal martial art kind of a world where it starts out with one color and works up to a black belt? I mean, I'm assuming that if you're a master master, then you're, and I understand there's degrees of black belt. I mean, I was hearing somebody the other day, like 12, is it possible? A 12th degree black belt? That seems like an awful lot of degrees of black belt, but what do I know? I would assume that black belt is the highest in any, in any of these endeavors. I'm not that. That's my point. <laughs> Whatever that highest belt is, I ain't got that belt. White belt? Is that the first one? There's a whole lot of things. I'm, st I'm, I'm a white belt. I'm still, I'm living in the seventies. I'm wearing a white belt and white shoes, white shoes. I look like a dork, but what can I tell you? It is what it is. It's like, well, man, alive, you ought to at least be, I don't know. I don't know what's after a white belt. I'm going to have to look this up. I'm driven by my discontentment with what I know about martial arts. Big shock. I've never practiced martial arts. <laughs> I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching MMA. I'm really fascinated by the grappling and the holes and all that. Oh, I don't want to do it. Are you kidding me? I, I've already, I've got cervical neck issues already. It's like, I look at these guys and I'm like, they are so going to pay for this later in life. And let's see them when they're my age. Let's, let's see how humped over they are. I don't know what got me on that. I don't want you being so discontent that you're down, that you're put out, that you're, that you give up, that you quit. Apathy is, man, fight the apathy. Fight, fight, fight like crazy the apathy. Do not let yourself stay apathetic for very long. I'd love to tell you something that magical that you could do about that if that's your case, but share that with somebody who can challenge you and drag you back in to get your toes off the ledge of apathy. 
but you really, really need to put in the work. Just do your best to be better. It's good for you. It's good for all the rest of us. My name is Randy Kentrell. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.